Thank you, Roger, and thank you for the invitation to this kind of very important conference. So I'd like to start my presentation. Okay, Dr. Marcus E. Rebic was a very noble-hearted researcher who deeply understood the Japanese economy and its labor market. It was during his undergraduate years that Mark initially became interested in Japan. Mark was born in Canada on January 19, 1956, and studied geological science at Harvard University. He visited South Korea and Japan at the time and had said he took an interest in Japan from that first experience. After obtaining a bachelor degree from Harvard, he returned to Canada and worked for a while as a geologist. However, he decided to go to the Graduate School of Economics at the University of Toronto in 1982 and returned to Herbert in 1984. There, his main research advisor was Professor Richard Freeman, the most influential labor economist in the United States. Mark obtained his PhD in economics in 1990, when the Japanese economy was flourishing dramatically and attracting worldwide attention. This was when Mark was McRevick was studied his academic life as an empirical labor economist specializing, the Japanese, specializing in the Japanese economy. In 1992, Mark was invited to be a Simomura Fellow at the Japan Development Bank in Tokyo. I was then a graduate student at the University of Tokyo, working as a research assistant there. I met Mark there and had my first stimulating discussion with him. Mark had experienced the world of up-to-date and critical economic studies of labor issues, including wage inequality, that had rapidly developed, especially in the United States. Mark appeared brilliant to me because he had deeply mastered the skill of contemporary labor economics. It is quite difficult for me to describe Mark in the world. If I were to venture, however, I would say I have never seen such a modest person as Mark Rebic. Mark was always graceful, always patient. It was unlike him ever to speak out loudly to justify his opinion. I think this unwavering confidence in his own research enables Mark to behave peace-free and soft-free at all times. On the other hand, Mark was always dissatisfied about one particular issue when he tried to examine the Japanese labor market empirically. It was a restriction on the use and provision of microdata in Japan. While several economic studies used microdata provided by the Japanese government in the 1990s, access was restricted to a limited number of domestic researchers and research projects. In fact, it was quite hard for Mark to access the microdata that was suitable for his research. I remember 
that he borrowed so many volumes of published figures from libraries and made the effort to capture these data by himself. Now, as the statistics law in Japan was revised in 2007, many researchers have had easier access to these microdata. I truly, truly expected Mark to utilize these opportunities to his heart's content and reveal certain original important facts that others have yet to discover. I'm very, very sorry that such a chance cannot be taken now. Mark became a university lecturer at St. Anthony's College at the Nissan Institute of Japanese Studies in 1994. Mark contributed to providing many Japanese the opportunity for studying at Oxford. Thanks to Mark, I also had a chance to be a visiting researcher at the Nissan Institute in 1996. However, I enjoyed living in Oxford too much. <laughs> at the time, there was a tennis court next to this theater in the ground of St. Andrew's College. I played tennis almost every day in summer and enjoyed not a few pints of beer <laughs> as a pub like Rose and Crown. I remember Mark saying to me with a little smile, Yuji, are you studying in Oxford to be a tennis player <laughs> like Kimiko Date? <laughs> Mark had also enjoyed long stay in Japan as a visiting researcher at Nagoya University in 1996 and at Gakushuin University in 1998. He often visited Japan until the beginning of the 2000s. Mark had so many friends in Japan and all of them missed him so much. The Japanese Journal of Labor Studies is an academic journal that is referenced by most labor researchers and labor policy makers in Japan. The lead article of the journal published in May, May 2015 was a memorial de dedicated to Dr. Marcus E. Rebic, which the editorial, editorial board asked me to prepare such a testimonial from the journal is quite rare, indicating how much Mark was loved and missed by his Japanese colleagues. It was March 2012 when I last saw Mark in person. A year had passed since the Great East Japan earthquake, and the memorial conference was kindly held in Oxford here. I joined the conference and was told by Professor Kariya Takehiko that Mark had worked hard to plan the conference in spite of his serious health condition. I saw Mark on the final day of the conference. We were meeting after a long time, and indeed, he seemed thin with illness. 
but the sharp yet warm look on his face was completely the same as when I saw him 20 years previously for the first time. Mark could not produce all that many publications in his academic career, but he bequeathed several important works to us from which we will need to learn to succeed in future. One such example is his detailed empirical study of the persistent wage differential between large firms and middle and small sized firms. The firm size wage differential has not received much attention recently, but it is becoming more and more likely to emerge again as a quite central issue in Japan. So-called deflation has been continuing since the end of the 1990s in Japan. As to its main cause, most economists agree that it is due to the fact the real wage has not been increasing at all. In the long run, the blue line, the real wage tends especially to decline among small firms. Since 2000, the Japanese economy has repeated the cycle of recession and booms. The job openings applicant ratio, the red line, refers to the number of job openings by firms relative to job applicants by unemployed persons. The job opening applicant ratio has been steadily improving since the end of global financial crisis and the big earthquake. Economic theory says the real wage always increases with labor shortages. However, the real wage has been stable or even gradually declining since 2000 in Japan. This is a fundamental reason why the Japanese economy cannot escape from the pattern of long-run deflation. In the past, John Maynard Keynes pointed out two important reasons for the substantial increase in unemployment during the Great Depression in the 1920s. One was the lack of aggregate demand in the economy, which made it difficult to get out of depletion without a substantial increase in public expenditure achieved through financial policies. The other main reason was the downward rigidity of wages in spite of excess labor surplus. As long as the real wage remained high, even in recession, firms could not expand their labor demand, meaning that involuntary unemployment could not disappear from the labor market. On the other hand, the opposite phenomenon to that supposed by Keynes had newly occurred during the deflation in the 2000 in Japan. That is, the upward rigidity of wages in spite of excess labor 
demand. It is not a situation expected by existing economic theory, neoclassical economics, or Keynesian economics. Such a phenomenon may also occur in Europe and the United States, a serious deflation would continue into the future. Then why? Why did the real wage not increase, despite uh, there being substantial labor shortages in Japan? According to Japanese experts like Mark Revick, Japanese employment system is well known to be characterized by its long-term employment practices, seniority wage rules, and firm-based labor unions. These features are especially developed among large firms in Japan. However, most Japanese employees actually belong to small or medium-sized firms rather than the large ones. Recently, the wages paid by large firms has tended to increase in Japan because their business performances has steadily recovering due to exchange rate depreciation, increasing stock prices. In contrast, there are almost no indication wages have gone up in small as medium-sized firms, at least now. While labor shortages, especially of young workers, are quite serious issues for small businesses, their wage payments had almost failed to rise at all. Why, why does the wage not go up, especially in small and medium farms, in spite of substantial labor shortages in Japan? Is this due to increases in non-regular workers, a stagnation of growth in labor productivity, the potential pressure of a huge labor supply of aged workers, or the strict regulation of the wage payments for workers, especially in caring industries, which is growing rapidly with the development of aging society in Japan. We have not yet found clear reason for the upward wage lividity in small and medium-sized firms in Japan. In 1993, Mark Revick published an, import, an important paper titled The Persistence of Farm Size Earnings Differential and Labor Market Segmentation in Japan in the Journal of Japanese and International Economies. He examined the reason for the substantial farm size wage differential in detail using the data published between 1970 to 1990, which he collected himself. He found most important cause to be the segmentation of the dual labor market. At the same time, he also pointed out that if unemployment rate fell by one percentage point over this period, the wage of small and medium-sized firm tended to increase 8%, 8 percentage points. 
I have an impression that the current relationship between wages and employment may be quite different from anything that Mark had examined previously. For example, the unemployment rate fell by almost two percentage points from 2002 to 2014, but the real wage did not raise almost at all. I'm sure that we need to learn a lot from Mark's insightful legacy of research into people who face difficulties with low wages and precarious employment. Mark Rebic left one long-term important book through his academic work. It is The Japanese Employment System, Adapting to a New Economic Environment, published by Oxford University Press in 2005. It is the outcome of Mark's comprehensive examination of possible structural changes in the Japanese economy and its labor market from the 1980s to the beginning of the 2000s. He argued the cases for several persistent changes, such as the difficulty of youth employment, the utilization of non-regular employment, and the limited improvement in female workers. He also advocated the necessity to take prompt measures to cope with shortages in the labor force due to a declining population. While such a suggestion appears to be a matter of course nowadays, it was Mark's foresight to point this out in 2005, when the labor surpluses were still believed to be a serious continuing issue. In addition, Mark asserted the importance of maintaining the cooperative industrial relation, relationship that has developed historically within Japanese firms, generating the prevailing formation of skilled workers. In 2000, Mark was interviewed, interviewed by the Nihon Keizai Shimbun and commented as followed. The competitiveness of Japanese firms is attributed to their excellent labor forces. There are fruit training systems within firms. Japanese employees cooperate with each other, and they make efforts to improve their productivity with a strong sense of responsibility. Indeed, it is hard to express such loyalty and responsibility in numerical form. But they are the secret behind the power of Japanese firms without any doubt. And many Japanese firms have not yet lost these advantages. I believe Mark would have liked to examine for himself whether his hypothesis has remained appropriate since the 2000s. What were the essential changes in the Japanese labor market and employment system after the 2000s? We experienced so many huge confusions in the economy. Then, what has changed permanently? And consequently, 
what has not changed. I do not think Japanese specialists have generalized these facts sufficiently. Compared with the past events, such as the oil shock of 1973, the rapid appreciation of exchange rate in 1985, and the financial crisis in 1998, it is quite strange as to why we have not even put a historical name to the worst of employment crisis that occurred in 2002 and 2003. To do so, we need to build on Mark's research to pursue the ideal employment system and the labor market. In the rest of the time available, I would like to talk about some changes in contemporary Japanese society, having been stimulated by Marx's ideas. It is a story about hope. Sorry, very small character. <laughs> Do you have hopes in the sense of things you want to realize in the future? I have executed a series of such surveys, including this kind of question, to those aged between 20 to 59 in Japan. In 2006, 78% of respondents answered, yes, I have hope to this question. The proportion replying yes of having hope fell to 70% in 2011. Now it declined further to 54% in 2014. The Institute of Social Science, University of Tokyo, also conducted a panel survey that followed a group of respondents who were aged between 20 and 39 in 2007. The panel survey asked every year if the respondents had any hopes for their future lives and works. The proportion expressing hope was 55% in 2007, but it fell continuously to 39% in 2012. I'm surely proud that Japan continues to be a very lovely country. For example, income variation has been quite equalized. And famous Tom Piketty's story of enlarging inequality has not held true historically in case of Japan. Unemployment rate is very low at international standard and the climb rate is still very low, especially among youth. Life is very comfortable, and most people are satisfied with their everyday life. Food is very safe and delicious. People are still kind in general. I'm sure Mark will still love Japan. Now, as he first met 
the Japanese society when he was a young student. But these results suggest that Japan has been now started to become a country in which people do not have any hopes for the future. How about other countries? We attempted an international survey of these, those aged between 20 and 59 in various countries in 2014, also asking respondents if they had hopes in the sense of things they wanted, they wanted to realize in the future. The proportion of answering that they had hope for something in the future was 89% in the United Kingdom, blue line. 93% in the United States, and 89% in Australia. We did similar survey this year, and the proportions are 97% in Germany, 93% in China, 87% in South Korea. Most people express hope of realizing something in the future in these countries. Compared with these results, however, the fact that only 54% of the population in Japan expressing hope is quite surprising. That is, Japan is now a quite unusual country in which not a few people appear to have lost hopes for some reason. What is the difference between people who hope for something and those who do not? Several statistical investigations have clarified some objective facts regarding this issue. First, age is closely related to, to the sense of hope. Generally, younger persons tend, tend to hope more to achieve some aim than do older ones. What is the most important factor in realizing hopes? I think it is time. Time is most valuable source resource, and it is granted, granted more extensively to the young. The youth are granted the privilege of rising to the challenge of realizing their own hopes by utilizing the plentiful time at their disposal. Therefore, it is a serious issue that even young Japanese are now tending to lose their hope, the sense of hope. Second, education plays a crucial role in having hope. It is found that college graduates are more likely to have hopes than those who only graduate from high school in Japan. The accumulation of skills and knowledge acquired through education enables more highly educated people to enlarge their choices and possibilities resulting in them having greater hopes. Third, health. Health is an important condition in order to realize hopes. Illness and injuries limit the extent of people's activities and hinder their hopes. These facts mean that pro progressively aging society inevitably experiences a decrease in general sense of hope existence of both fewer younger, younger people and more older patients in poor conditions of health 
implies an increasing relative number of those who lack of hope in the future. There is one important objective determinant of hope. That is a job. Those having a job tend to have more hope for the future than do non-employed persons. Employment provides the earnings necessary for the people to realize their hopes. At the same time, hope itself can be realized, realized through working at the job. The annual unemployment rate in Japan recorded its lowest level in 2014, since the financial recession of 1998. A situation in which jobs are available for everyone is quite crucial in, in order to enlarge hopes in any society. In this sense, the labor issues that Mark Revick persistently emphasized will continue to be taken seriously in discussing hope and happiness in society. Do you think you have many friends? With respect to the above question, 38% of people in the United States replied, yes, we ha I have many friends. 32% <laughs> of the UK, 25% in China, 20% of South Korea replied, we have many friends. How about Japan? Just 8% of the Japanese respondents said they had many friends. From empirical studies, the number of friends and acquaintances a, a person has will exert a significant positive impact on their hopes to be realized in future. Relative lack of hope in Japan appears to be mainly due to this poor relationship with friends and acquaintances. Hopes can be found in communication with others rather than in thinking by oneself. Hopes can be realized through support and cooperation with others in situations where these hopes cannot be, cannot be achieved by acting alone. Such social capital created by intimate human networks plays a crucial role in generating hope in society. Just after the Great East Japan earthquake, the kizuna, or social bond, became the buzzword all across Japan. In contrast, however, I have the impression that Japanese people tend to be alone more and more. Probably, the most important reason for such the loneliness is crumbling pillar of internal farm and cooperative relationship between working colleagues. This hypothesis of decline mutual trust between workers in farms should be examined in detail according to one very famous paper by Freeman and Levick titles Crumbling Pillar in 1989. Do you remember, Richard? 
Another important feature of hope is that people who tend to avoid futile efforts are less likely to hope for the future. Of course, everyone would like to avoid bad deals while ensuring their best interests. It is necessary to have appropriate information in order to judge precisely what is a loss and what is a gain. But information is not always sufficient. In particular, it is so often the case we only have quite limited information as to what will happen in the future. Even if we make an effort toward achieving some desired goal, we sometimes fail to have great success. On the other hand, many experienced persons will often talk about their careers as follows. I have lived through so many things and I have made so many mistakes. But looking back at my whole life, there is nothing that was completely in vain. Such persons are always useful and fresh, regardless of their real age. And they always hope to rise to challenge of life. They are people of hope in the real sense. This kind of passion is indispensable in maintaining hope against an uncertain future. Such passion is close to the animal spirit to which John Maynard Keynes referred in his general theory. The animal spirit is an essential factor in activating the long-term expectation that determines a person's investment of time and energy. However, I have an impression the animal spirits or passion is gradually declining after the burst of bubble economy in the Japanese society, so that not a few Japanese have lost hope in their own future. Now, the accumulated financial deficit has become a serious problem in Japan. Efficiency is believed to be the most important issue, and cutting waste is stressed in all cases in all areas. However, beyond efficiency, animal spirits is also necessary for the development of hope and long-term growth in Japanese society, I believe. So many Japanese suffered from the Great East Japan earthquake. The damage was not limited to the, just to the direct disaster area of the tsunami and the nuclear power plant accidents, but has been prevalent across the whole of Japan. What kinds of impact on hope then has the earthquake had among the Japanese? According to the survey of 20 to 59-year-old person living in the Tohoku and Kanto area, that is the east side of Japan, those who were damaged by the disaster, to some extent, are more likely to act to realize their hopes. The proportion of these people acting to realize their hope was 48% 
This is higher by almost 10 percent point compared with those who are not damaged by the disaster at all. However, we must never forget the most of those who cannot recover from serious damage are still losing hope in future. We need to be careful in that there is a substantial differential in hope under the recovery process from the disaster due to the differing, differing degree of the damage experience. Changes can also be observed in the main contents of hope after the Great East Japan earthquake. Before the disaster occurred, the most frequent component of hope in the Japanese society was always working. For example, many Japanese hoped to work in worthwhile job and to have stable employment with high earnings. Many Japanese females hoped to work after bringing up their children. Hopes among the Japanese had been mainly related to employment in the past. However, the expressed content of hope that is increasing the most since the earthquake is the family issue. Many Japanese now hope to spend much more time with their family rather than to work long for their companies. What they all hope for the most is that the well-being of their family members is as, as great as possible. Faced with the difficulty of losing one's family all at once in such a disaster, what is emerging as the most important issue among the many possible contents hope is that of a family rather than that of employment. However, at the same time, it is becoming more and more difficult for the Japanese youth to marry and have their own children, mainly because of precarious employment opportunities with low income. From the viewpoint of hope in Japan, it is most crucial for the youth to be able to have their own families in the future. Finally, in fact, the number of people with hopes for their own lives in the future is declining in Japan. The development of aged society, the increase in the number of solitary persons, and the weakening interest in the employment can partly explain the decline in hope in Japan. However, in contrast, with the loss of hope of their own lives and works, another change is now occurring. With respect to the issue of hope, in the survey, we asked the respondents if they felt that Japanese society will be hopeful in future. The proportion of those who replied that Japanese society would be hopeful was limited to 10% in 2011. However, it has tended to rise and reached 23% in 2014. 
who among the Japanese feel now that Japanese society will be hopeful in the future? First, those who currently support the Liberal Democratic Party in Japanese Jiminto feel that hope is increasing in Japanese society. In particular, they hope to improve conditions by the change of political regime from the Democratic Party of Japan to the LDP in 2012. Second, those owing stocks tends to have greater hope in Japanese society. Stock prices are now increasing due to the recovery of business performances achieved through mass monetary easing and the depreciation of the exchange rate. Therefore, stockholders hope for the further improvement in the Japanese economy. On the other hand, I have one trouble observation. It is a fact that those Japanese who do not like China tend to have increased hope for the Japanese society in the future. At the same time, the appreciation of China is drastically declining in Japan. It appears desirable that hopes are expanding in society. But we must avoid warlike and tense situation with neighboring countries from becoming a source of social hope among the Japanese. Rather, we now need much more discussion on what the real and ideal hopes in society should be. As Mark Rebic highlighted, Japanese society and its economy are now still engaged in a long and substantial transition with further globalization and population aging ahead. Mark did not seem to approve of the execution of drastic revolutionary measure in order to solve the related problems all at once. We should especially avoid creating a tense, tense situation within our international neighborhood through accelerated solutions. Conflicts should not be the hope at any time. We need rather to share our responses to these multiple changes and to trust each other. We should hope for a future that will not be so miserable and work to make steady and gradual progress. According to Mark's insightful studies, we will do well to investigate the best ways of improving the situation with sympathy for relatively disadvantaged persons, such as females, youth, non-legulars, and older persons in Japan. Marcus E. Levick was a social scientist who truly embodied the cool head 
but warm heart that Alfred Marshall suggested as characterizing the ideal economist. Mark, you understood Japanese society in depth, and you were an ex exceptional level economics. Please save, sleep safely. Thank you.